I had a moment a few months ago and I came into the house and I was talking to my wife and I didn't think that there was anything off by how I was speaking to her, but my son looked at me and my wife and he said, and I mean, this was a gut check moment. My son looked at me and said, dad, why can you talk to mom that way? But if I did, I would be grounded. Hi everyone, this is Ross, your host of Bear Crawl with Dads. So true confession, I'm completely leveraging this podcast for personal and selfish reasons. You see, not too long ago, I became a dad for the very first time, but with that, an older dad. So the one thing that I know so far is that this Bear Crawl as a dad is not meant to be done alone. We truly need each other. So may this podcast be that for you. So come along and let's bear crawl together. Everybody, thank you so much for uh, jumping on to the latest edition of Bear Crawl with Dads. Those that have been following this, it's just an opportunity to speak with dads all over the spectrum, whether those are new dads, new in the game, or dads that are empty nesters that have kind of experienced it and just to glean any information we can so that we can just be better dads and be present for our children during this amazing title that we have. For our guest, Franklin, I'm leveraging the show. I'm taking notes as I'm a relatively newer dad. And so what I can do to learn from you on how I can be a better dad. So listeners, I'm very honored to have on our show, Franklin, who hailed from the great state of Texas. So Franklin, thanks for jumping on Bear Crawl with Dads. Ross, it's really a pleasure to be here and appreciate you having me on tonight. Absolutely. So for those listeners, where are you? What do you do? Yeah, let's start from there. So I live in East Texas in a little town called Tyler and born, raised here, lived here my whole life and run a 128 year old family company. Wow. And so on the work side, that's what I do. Okay. Uh, we're in the furniture and retail furniture and interior design business. Okay. Just done what we've done for a long time in my family. I've got a beautiful wife that I've been married to for 17 years to children, an 11-year-old son, nine-year-old daughter. We so just Ty- do our thing here in Texas. Tyler, Texas. That's the, you know, for the roses, right? Yep, that's right. And Earl Campbell. Yep. Okay. I'm not going to ask how old you are, but I'm sure maybe Earl Campbell's a little bit older than you. He's a little older than me. <laughs> what high school did you go to? I went to a private school, just all sciences, small private all school here in town. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All Saints is a great school. On a side note, I work for a school. And we went up to All Saints the fall of 19, right before COVID hit. Ah, okay. Because they're doing some really, really innovative things at All Saints. Yes. And so my school went up there and spent a day, just some great stuff from All Saints. That's pretty fun. Yeah, they, it was a great school to go to. It's different than when I was there. Okay. They've grown a lot and added yep. a lot. But uh, I mean, shoot, they didn't even have football when I was there. But okay, tell you how small it was, but it was a great school. Some of the private schools there in Longview is a long pine tree. Trinity, Trinity, maybe. Trinity? Yeah. Okay. So where I went to university, we had a lot of a lot of friends from Tyler, Longview, and got to see some. So I grew up in New Orleans. So I wasn't used to the whole Texas football thing. And so got to experience some Tyler football and some of the area football games in Dallas. So just a whole different animal. So frankly, well, thank you for sharing that. And so it's, I'm curious though about the your your family business. So 100, you said 128 years. Yes. So kind of a landmark there in Tyler. But was there any pressure as far as to kind of carry the torch? 
with the family business? Uh, did you know you were going to kind of do that or? I wouldn't say there was direct pressure. I think that, I mean, I'm named after my dad who was named after my grandfather. And so that's like this long line, same name, done what we've done for a very long time. So mm-hmm. there was probably inherently just some pressure there. And for a while, I did not want to come back into the business. I went to college at TCU, actually went into commercial real estate out of college, worked for a couple of brokers in Dallas. And and initially, the plan was not to come back into the business. But once I did, there was also, there was a piece of me that didn't want to be that owner's kid who came back and just said, where's my desk? I wanted to go out and do my thing and and learn and be able to bring something back of value in terms of experience and also there's a fair bit of pressure with running a family business like this for sure. And so kind of went through that whole transition and, and just learning curve really. But I, I enjoy what I do now. It's really, I, I get a lot of fulfillment out of building teams, leading people. I want to create a company. And I believe we have where we can find great people and treat them extraordinarily well and have an environment where they want to come here even when they don't have to. We've really got a great culture and a great team. And, and that, that's really what I enjoy doing. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Cause I just thought, I don't know, just when you said that and that rich lineage of that family business, I just was just curious, like what that's like. There's if, pressure, but I wasn't, I don't feel like there was a, a tremendous amount of pressure put on me to okay. come back, but yeah, it was always an option and op- always has been an opportunity. Well, they got me thinking too, again, it's like, I, I feel like for me, in, as far as being a person of faith, it sounds like too, not that I would have experienced the world with like a prodigal son, but also too, growing up in a, in a family that had a strong faith component. Yeah, you know, I feel like I needed to kind of make it my own a little bit. So I guess the, kind of that analogy with your, you know, future company. So that resonated with me, kind of making it my own, coming back to where it was, I felt like it was really real. Right. My faith and not doing something just because it was my dad did it, my grandfather did it or whatever. So, so thanks. Yeah, for I mean, that. and, and you, you even see family businesses where someone comes in and straight out of high school and don't even go to college. They just go straight into the business and assume they know everything just because yep. that's what they've done. But yeah, I'm glad I went away and, and got some outside experience and saw some different things before I came into yep. it. So, and you reference your, your father, you reference your grandfather as far as being named after them. So I guess sometimes I, I do think for those guests who do feel comfortable sharing about their, their past and their family, because it just adds context. So growing up there in Tyler, sounds like kind of in the shadows of your business. What was that like as far as, I know we're focusing on fathers. I do know there's a lot of moms that are listening there too. So God bless the moms. But what was your relationship like with your father growing up? What did that look like? When I look back at my childhood, this has been a really, really kind of fun going through this this process with you and, and mm-hmm. thinking about this mm-hmm. because it gives you an opportunity to ask yourself some questions and look at some things that you might not normally look at. And right. looking back, my dad worked really hard to give us a lot of amazing opportunities, great education. He was very intentional about spending time with us and teaching us about the outdoors, taking us hunting, teaching us how to fish. I think he was, did a great job balancing 
running a business and having the pressure that I experienced now on his shoulders because he had the family business and and really took it to the next season, so to speak, and and really put in a lot there. But his hard work really created a lot of opportunities for me. And then on the flip side, he the, the time he did have and when he was away from the store, he was very intentional about pouring into me and my brother and my mom mm-hmm. and taking us to do things and, and spending time with us. And mm-hmm. so I feel very, very fortunate to have the father that I did. None of us are perfect as fathers. Uh, we, we figure that out pretty quick when we mm-hmm. become a dad. But to have a present father who cared and who, who was very intentional and, and was a very generous man, I, I feel very fortunate and blessed. We've got a great relationship and he was a great dad. He's an even better grandfather. Uh-huh. And, and I'm sure that's similar too. it's kind of like you get round two and get to do some things over that right. maybe you would do different. And so he's very intentional about uh, spending time with my kids and, and creating experiences with them and, and really just prioritizing that time. Well, thank you for sharing that. I want to attribute to your father. I'm curious too, you say quality time sounds like a big one being present. Was he a man of words? Was he a man of just more just action? How did you know that he, he loved you? Did he express it? I know some generations, some dads just don't express it verbally, but maybe it's to their presence, right? Or to show them to your football game or how I show my love to my family is financially, right? I'm, right. I'm providing, but necessarily not necessarily the, the quality time. I would say it, it was a little bit of a blend. He wasn't too talkative, but he also wasn't too quiet. He was kind of right in the middle. I think, mm-hmm. if anything, it was more the time spent and and the opportunities he provided, whether mm-hmm. that was sending us to camp or mm-hmm. taking us to Colorado in the summer. There was just a lot of fun moments. And so, you know, he really kind of did a little bit of all of it. He was just a great dad. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have a younger brother. And so he, you're as far as with your brother, too. The relationship they're strong and, and just i guess like fathering two different personalities yeah i mean my, my brother and i are, are similar in a lot of ways and we're very different in a lot of ways but yeah they have uh, i think a good relationship too and we go and, and do things together and mm-hmm. get along well being in a family business together that is challenging i mean that'll mm-hmm. that'll challenge any relationship no matter how good it is and so that that was certainly challenging season when I first came into the business and just navigating that. And I'm very fortunate in that he let me make mistakes. I think sometimes I wish he would have kind of showed me how to do things a little bit more than he did. But at the same time, I was able to really learn and he gave me a lot of, a lot of rope, so to speak, to learn with and allowed me to fail. Yeah, And I think that that's, that's probably really hard for a, for a father to do, especially you've got a family business i mean the in in some ways the family business is kind of the firstborn you don't really think of it that way but it's all i mean it's almost like this thing's our first child and then you have your real child so it's a challenge that's interesting perspective yeah no thanks for that and what it sounds like what a great template uh, your father created for you and was for you And and i think that's interesting too now that it's now that you're a father you're in the business Obviously, growing up, you're selfish in high school. I'm, I'm thinking about girls and where I'm going to go to college. And I'm not thinking about what my parents, I don't have that perspective. But now that I'm a father and working, you're like, oh my gosh, it's completely shifted a little bit. I, it doesn't matter what 
what day I had. I need to be present when I come home. You know, that I don't need to put my junk on them, right? And I just have a better appreciation for my father uh, and all the stuff that he went through in New Orleans with just some stuff work-wise and how he, I didn't really feel that, which is kind of amazing now, right? And so I'm just always kind of aware of that and just being present. So as far as looking back, uh, obviously with your father, and then in a minute, I want to shift to you, Franklin, as a father. What was like some of the best advice or what is something that now as a father, what do you look back at maybe that your dad shared with you that you now are doing or that you're now saying to your kids? Looking back, I would say it was more the things he did as an example. He did love me, my brother, my mom really well. I think when you become a father, you realize it's it's easy when, before you become a father to kind of be a little harsh on your dad and and how he raised you. And then you 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 wake up one day when you're when you become a father and realize, oh wow, this is hard. I mean, being a father is not easy. Being a dad is tough. And you realize it's kind of like before you have kids and and or when you have kids and the people who who don't have kids try to give you advice. It's like, well, once you have kids, then you'll understand. And and I think there's a lot of that too. I think it's easy for us men to maybe be a little harsh on on how our dads were until we become a father. And it's like, oh, was he perfect? No. Am I perfect? Far from it. Yeah. He was a great dad. And hopefully I can be a great dad too. Yeah. And and just I think there's an opportunity for all of us, whether we had either end of the spectrum in terms of your experience with your dad or somewhere in the middle, just an opportunity as we get older and mature and become grown men and then and then fathers ourselves to show our fathers the gratitude for the good and the bad because both have helped me to become who I am. When I even look back at challenging times and things that that maybe I don't appreciate but or didn't appreciate back then, but now I do because the good and the bad both helped me to become the man I am today. And for that, I'm grateful. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a gift that I can give my father. Hopefully that's a, a gift my son could give me one day, which is a little bit of grace for the screw ups that I do have. Because I'm I'm very imperfect. I have challenges as a father. And maybe one day he'll give me a little grace for that. Yeah. And I guess it's hard too, because now that you have that mindset, right? And and showing grace and I guess forgiveness for your father that he was in the best that he could. You're just more empathetic, right? And then I guess I know with your son, it feels like Someday down the road, I pray that he's going to get that clip because right now he's not really feeling it, I guess. Right. Right. And so kind of being patient during that time. I'll share a story. It was a pretty, one of probably the most profound moments in my relationship with my dad. Because I, I think any father, son, like there's, there's tension, right? And you come into the family business and there's, there's just, it's not perfect. It's not, uh, I mean, when I say great, it it was good, but that didn't mean it was just roses and rainbows and butterflies. But my dad asked me, we were fishing a few months ago together. And he asked me, have I been a good dad? Mm. Did I do it right? Is there anything you need to tell me or to talk to me about or ask me about? And I had this moment, I thought I could go through a laundry list of, of my grievances or my complaints or, or whatever. And I thought, or I could choose to not be a victim I can give my dad one of the greatest gifts 
which is to tell him, which is a hundred percent true that he was a great father and the good and the bad are both gifts because they helped me to become the man I am today. And I ended up writing him about a nine page handwritten letter of things that I honor about him, appreciate, respect, remember in just it's like I want him to have this and I want to not only give him that gift, but I want to give myself that gift because one day I will look back and get to be proud of how I treated my father. And I, and I think something's very profound too, like how I treat my father will probably have some sort of impact on how, how my son treats me one day. How does he respond when I ask my son one day, how did I do? I ask my daughter, how did I do, sweetie? And, and, and I think that sons have an opportunity to show their father's grace through their imperfections and still embrace gratitude for who their fathers were. And I know there's, there's men and that have all kinds of different experiences. And so I, I certainly don't take that lightly, but, but to, to be able to look at the good and embrace that mm. and also look at the challenge in the, in not necessarily the bad, but the things that you're not really, you know, don't look back on fondly, but still have gratitude for it because of who you became because of it. No, that's, that's powerful. And I, I think to be able to, what a, to, to pay um, tribute to your father while he's still with us and, and what a blessing that he received in that and how intentional you were. Because I think some of my guests in the past, whether it's a, their biological father or some of my guests have, they have not had a biological father. So it's maybe a mentor or somebody, a, a man who kind of stood in the place. I ask him, hey, are they still alive? Do they know? Do they know what an impact? And so many of them had said, yeah. And to be able to say, thank you. Thank you for staying in the gap for me. Thank you for being that father figure. But the power of, of being intentional and thanking them. But I think what you said is very meaningful to me too, because I don't think I've done that. My dad knows it, but I don't think I've been very intentional like you have. So that's really good to hear. And what a blessing, what a huge, I mean, God forbid, but the Lord took your father tomorrow, just the fact that he has that and he knows that, right? It's just like, wow, thank you. What a gift. Well, we both know all the stats. Simply having a present father, like a father in the home alone, you've, you've hit the lottery nowadays. And not even like, was he a good father or, or a great dad? Like just being there, you've, you're so much further ahead and so much more fortunate than kids that don't have that at all. Right. And if you've got a father in the home, you had a great gift. If you are a present father in your children's home, you're giving them one of the greatest gifts that they could ever have, which is yeah. simply a present dad. Well, also, too, what you said, too, is the good and the bad. I think it's easier for us to harp on the, the bad, what you could have done better. You learn from the negative. You learn from those are learning experiences too, right? And again, giving your parents, your dad some grace in that. But yeah, as far as the stats, when I first started my bear crawls, it was heavy on my stats as far as just the damage that it can do to a child who doesn't have that. And the prayer is our conversation, Franklin, is that maybe something will be planted or will trigger into a father to say it's not too late. No matter what you've done, it's not too late. If you need to reconnect with your child or your father, 
may that be the challenge, right? And I guess to pivot, what would you tell you know somebody out there that if they feel like it's too late? And I and I want to hear a little bit more about later. What are you doing for men? Uh, you have your nine to five during the day, but what are you doing? Why why this this passion for fathers? Like where is this coming from? But before that, what would you tell a dad out there that's I've screwed up? I've just been disconnected. How would how would you encourage some dads out there? My experience is that pride probably gets in the way more than anything else or guilt. So pride with our father's guilt as a, as a dad. And so if it's a matter of connecting with your father, can you be humble enough to just give him the grace or the gratitude that he desires? Because we would all want that. And then with our kids, can you be humble? I had a situation or a moment a few months ago and I came into the house and I was talking to my wife and I didn't think that there was anything off by how I was speaking to her. But my son looked at me and my wife and he said, and I mean, this was a gut check moment. My son looked at me and said, dad, why can you talk to mom that way? But if I did, I would be grounded. And I thought, oh man, that oh. just, that hurt. And, and I, it took me a minute to really I had to take a minute to process that. I mean, that it, that was heavy for me to take in because what I wanted to do was react in that moment and say, well, I'm not being this or I'm not being that. But the reality is like what my son saw was his father not being as honorable and respectful to his mom as, he sh as I should have been. Mm. So I could have just told him he was wrong, blown it off and let my pride get in the way. But what I came along and told him later on, I said, I want you to know that if you see me speak to your mom in any other tone other than with love, honor, appreciation, you have my full permission to call me out. And we were actually out on, I'm running, he's on his bike when, when we have this conversation. And he's pedaling along and I can see his mental wheels turning. Mm -hmm. And we go along for a minute and then he looks over at me and he goes, thanks, dad. Yeah. I think that there is, there is maybe nothing more powerful than for a father to, and for a dad to show humility and a willingness to apologize and a willingness to be vulnerable with his kids and anything else. We tell them to apologize all the time. Tell your sister, you're sorry. Tell your mom, you're sorry. Well, how often do we tell them we're sorry? I mean really sorry and how often do we maybe with our kids get into a spat with them and then we're expecting them to, to apologize well what if we stepped into that first and said i'm really sorry i got heated and i really regret that i lost my patience and lost my temper and i, I want you to know i'm really sorry mm -hmm. when i step in and and i do that without saying now it's your turn to apologize. But when I step in, I create that space. And, and honestly, that's leadership. That, that's leading that relationship and, sh and stepping into that space of humility first. And then when I do that, almost every single time, a minute later, we're sitting there and he comes back along and he says, I'm sorry too, dad. <laughs> and that just breaks all that tension up. That breaks all that 
that frustration and that those moments that can become resentments because we just let them fester and we don't deal with them. But I find when I, as a dad and a father, step into that with humility, and I'm the first one to step into asking for forgiveness in that of my 11-year-old son, and, and I mean, that honors him. That tells him I respect him. That tells him I'm not perfect and I'm not trying to be. That can teach him grace and teach him how to, to hopefully also respond one day when he's a father that, hey, we, it, it's okay to mess up. It's okay to not be perfect, but there's a responsibility and a requirement for a dad to, to be willing to step in humbly and, and just own it when he messes up. <laughs> well, you're, you're setting an example and if you're not practicing what you're preaching, right? I mean, what a hypocrite, but what a way to honor your, your son. But also too, I'm thinking of like the fact that he's dead something I think is, I don't know what, if there's something there, but the fact that your son felt comfortable to say something and call you out in the first place, like that jumped out at me too. He's beyond his years a bit in his yeah. emotional IQ. I should IQ. Say. Yeah, yeah. His emotional IQ is very, very high. I would attribute that to his mom yes. uh, for sure. But yeah, he has a very high emotional IQ. It, but that's one thing, like at my school, we really try to harp to with being assertive in a positive way. And, and so your son would obviously just be assertive. And he was being very respectful in how he was yes. communicating in that. I mean, he wasn't being disrespectful. He was just calling calling it like he saw it. And it's like, oh, wow, he's, yeah. he's right, you know? It, and you, and to your, to your credit too, you had a process that it sounds like, but also to you didn't get defensive. You didn't like belittle him. And it was a learning moment. It was a, a, a an, oppor an opportunity for you to be vulnerable and to share with him. But also too, he was kind of like, like raising this young knight. Like he was protecting kind of his mom. There seems to be an injustice here. What's up? Anyway, so what a, what a great story. Yeah. Thank you. It was a powerful that. moment. Very yeah, powerful moment. Wow. And the fact that you, you use that as a learning opportunity, I think, I think too, obviously my son's three, so I mean, almost three, so we're not quite there yet, but just with my student, I think too, like you, I always have to be mindful of just, Hey, you know what? I, there's been several times in my joking with my students where I've had a boy. So like, Hey, that actually hurt my feelings. And I was like, number one, the fact that you told me that, thank you. And number two, I'm sorry. I won't do that. I'm sorry. And so. To try to practice that as well with my students. That's really cool. So thank you. Okay, so Franklin, shifting to you as a father, obviously being a father of two, 9-11, right? Yes. But what's been the greatest challenge to you as a father? And I know it's the different stages. We have a newborn getting sleep with supporting your wife versus now you have some preteens in the house. But what do you, like, if you could take a step back, but what would be some of the biggest challenge that you would have, maybe? There's two things that stick out in my mind where it's like, ah, oh, this is, that these are the moments when I feel like I've, I'm failing as a dad. The first one is patience. Generally, most of the time, very good at staying patient with my kids. If a father says he's never lost his patience with his kids, I think he's lying. Yep. But those moments when I do, it just lose it, like to any degree, losing my emotional control in a moment just mm -hmm. really eats at me yeah. because I want to be better than that. I owe it to my kids to show them 
better. And so, again, not that I fly off the handle, but I just, if I feel any bit out of alignment in my emotions and like my emotions have gotten the best of me in a moment with my kids, that bothers me Mm -hmm. quite a bit. And so that's something I work on a lot. And I think the other thing is presence. Uh Um, for, For any man who's providing for his family and there's responsibilities, there's the business to run or the career to maintain and then you come home and you want to be a great husband you want to be a great father and in balancing all those things and the demands and and everything and and just being able to be present with all of that pressure going on can be really challenging and so i think you have to be very intentional about it and some days i'm good about that and some days i'm not and even if it's not me like looking at my phone am i just mentally somewhere else even though i'm with my family because i'm I'm thinking about something at work or just whatever's going on. And so I'd say patience and presence, like those two things are, are a big challenge. I'm constantly having to, to keep in, in check. Well, you get two nights to go. My wife and I, we switch, we take turns on putting my son down baths, whatever. And so it, it was a later than normal night. So he was already kind of off his rhythm a little bit, but just one thing just spiraled. And so like in bed, he is just wailing and he's like, wanting mom? And so kind of that, like at the moment, I was like, I need to take a step away. So I just walked out of the room and the Meredith was like, okay, I got this. Cause I was like, I just kind of <laughs> tag team. It's you to try to regulate my emotions. Yeah. I think again, something you said though, you're a busy man. You, you're running a business. You're, you're doing a lot of things. What do you do? What does Franklin do to find calm? How do you recharge? How do you stay centered? Absolutely. What works for me and what I have found is that systems, processes, routines, the more pressure I'm under, the more responsibility I have, the more I lean into and rely on certain processes, routines, and systems in my day to make sure that I am showing up in full capacity as much as possible for my family. So I have the most, it's like, I want to show up is the, my best version so I can give them my best. Right. So for me, that starts early in the morning, getting up before my family. And I, and I have a pretty in-depth morning routine that really is all about getting myself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually on point mm-hmm. so that when they wake up in the morning, they have the best version of me ready to go and to to be a great husband, be a great dad. And and just face whatever whatever comes in the day. I, th- I think when when you don't have a, a good solid process in the morning of of manufacturing that and kind of getting yourself on point, it's easy for the day to come along and just steamroll you. But if you have habits that that really build your capacity, then you're able to kind of be the the calm in the storm and be the man your your family really needs you to be. For you to, to have your alone time, they recharge to, it's it's in the early morning for you. For, for me, that's when it works. For you. Because once the family's yep. up and the day begins, it's the chaos ensues and yep. just whatever that's going to be. So from a practical standpoint specifically, I mean, I'm up, I do a devotional every day. When I first get up, I'm doing box breathing meditation. I journal. I actually write my wife and kids a little gratitude note, love note every morning. And that's just been 
was an amazing thing for me. Okay. I work out every day. I drink a green smoothie. I try to listen to like some good information, maybe this podcast or book. Right. So I really kind of have just all, all these things that try to prime me for the day so that when, once again, once I wake up, I'm just ready to go. So tell me about that real quickly. I think that sounds fantastic, but like, what does that look? I mean, are you, are you uh, just like a little note that goes to like on your children's like bath counter or what does that look like? And that's, yeah, have you been it, doing that? I've been doing it for years. That's awesome. Since they were little bitty. So it sounds like it's laborious, but it's really pretty quick. And what I've actually started doing is I pull up like a, like a word document and real quick in the morning, I'll pick three photos, one of me and my wife, one of me and my daughter, one of me and my son. And I have, and I just, just paste them on, make them small, print it off. And then I'll just kind of rip each paper into three strips. And so there's a photo, right? So now I'm like connecting a memory to whatever I'm going to write. And a lot of times it's just, I write something, it's, it's, it's short, it's not a long letter. It's mm-hmm. just, it's just a little note and it's really, what do I love, honor, appreciate, or respect about them? And it probably takes me five minutes to do. Yeah. What's amazing though, it's good for them, but it's great for me. Because what it does, I like to use the analogy with this. It's it's like if you wear glasses or if you bought a pair of glasses, when you first buy them, they're they're nice and clean. There's no scratches or anything. But if you go a week or two wearing them and you don't clean them, they start to get kind of foggy, cloudy, and, and dirty. If you went months or even years, they could get so dirty that you can't even see through them. And the reality is when we don't take the time to appreciate and express gratitude to our wife and kids, we begin to see them through a distorted lens. And so writing this letter is almost like an energetic and emotional, like cleaning of that lens. So you see them for the, for who they are. And as much as it gives to them, it, it gives even more back to me. And there's also this piece of, if you write a, a love note to your wife, it, it's a little harder to snap at her later that morning, right? You just kind of set things in motion and, yep. and there's just this energetic Often thing about thing. it. Yeah. It's just really powerful. And I, and I give those to my kids on the way to school every day. And I mean, they read them and there's this one drawer in the house where we stick them and there has to be thousands of them in there. So another piece of this is if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of notes that my wife, son, and daughter would all have that would pretty much have everything I've ever thought of them written down. And I believe that that would probably become one of their most cherished memories and things that they have from me. And then especially when you have the little picture on there, it, it just deepens what it is. But I, uh, I learned to do that years ago. Someone taught me that and I got started doing it and I just stuck with it and never quit. Well, just know that it's huge because my father, did that every day for me and my oh, sisters. Wow. Really? Amazing. Yeah. So I just want to let you know, even when they go through the awkward middle school years and the high school years, when they're going to be like, whatever, dad, whatever, dad, keep doing it because it's powerful. And so my dad would always slip on a little yellow legal pad. He would rip off, write something to us, whether it's a Bible verse or just something that made him happy about us. And I kept those, kept those, kept those. I don't know if I ever really even told my dad that I kept them. And I still have them to this day. I've put them in a big, huge, and my dad's still with, with us. I was, that's one of the most 
cherished thing that I'm going to always have for my father. So that's amazing because I've I've taught men this and and shared it, and and some men have have adopted this as a daily habit for for their kids. Obviously, yours is a bit young. Something that was really fun. Side note: before my kids were able to read, I downloaded this app. And it would get, you could do a video and it would, you could choose like different funny faces. And so I would actually do a video to them with a funny face and use different voices and stuff. And and they just thought that that was a riot. So just a little, just an idea for you with the young one. Yeah. But, but hearing you, I've, I've never heard anyone on the opposite end of that. Who's actually been the receiver as an adult of that while, when they were a kid. And so that, that's pretty amazing to hear that, that, that makes me feel really good. Yeah. It's powerful. So you're doing some amazing things and it's going to mean a lot to them because it, it has to me. So I, pre- I so, appreciate that feedback very much. That's great. Absolutely, man. So Franklin, you, one thing that keeps on popping out in my head about you and not having not, I don't know you, but it's just intentional. It's just like you are living a life intentionality, not only with your wife to your, your love for your wife, but your two kids. Even your employees too, but it sounds like you're just living a life of in, being intentional. So that's huge. And that, that's, that's something I've needed to hear, wanted to hear. So thank you for that. Uh, very powerful. But you, we were introduced through a mutual friend. I don't know what you're doing, to be honest, all for, for men and fathers. What is it that you're doing for fathers and the kind of a passion that you have for dads out there? Right. So I recently started a podcast when I say recently, like six weeks ago, and it's called the world needs men. And the art behind it is to share my story and the tools and the resources I have found that honestly brought me out of a very dark place where I was not showing up for my family the way I needed to the pressure of the business and the early on pressure of being a father, just I didn't have the tools I really needed to navigate that and, and found myself in a very dark spot. And I, I go into that in the first episode of the podcast, but I get to this place where my life just so totally transformed. And I found these things that allowed me to rebuild and, and I truly feel that God just began placing this thing on my heart. And it's like, I, you know, I, I need to start sharing with men and I need to open up. I've got something here that could be of benefit to other men who may be in the same space I was. And for a while that I, I kind of had that pull and it's like, what the, what's this thing going to be? And I couldn't figure it out. And then one day it just, it's like everything lined up and it's like, you, you're going to start a podcast. And you're going to go on and you're going to share everything. You're just going to get real raw and very real. And in that attempt to connect with men who may be overwhelmed, may be feeling depressed, anxious, or just confused, whatever the case may be, who are looking for another man who's willing to open up, be vulnerable, step out there and let them know that they're not alone. And, but also let them know that that they don't have to stay there and that there are things available now. There are tools and there's work that you can do that will allow you to get to a place where you can be a husband and father that your family loves, adores, and can't wait to have come home. 
about a year ago, I just started feeling this kind of pull and this tug, like, like you've done all this stuff, but it's not, it, it can't just all be for you. Like I've gone and I've had hired coaches and, and gone through training and just done a lot of work on myself and fi- found a lot of things that are just tools that work. Okay. And I just feel very compelled and called to just share those things. So on this journey, since I guess that the voice, the divine, kind of the shift for you and sharing your story, have you been able to have, have doors opened up to be able to talk to dads, to, to talk to fathers out there? What's that journey been like since? So far, it's been really well received. I've, I've received messages from men. I mean, almost right off the bat. And, and they said, this hits home so close. You, you just don't know right now. So far, it's just that this hits home. I was out of town a few days ago with a group of men. We, we went out like on a fishing trip. We had an opportunity to sit around a table and the, the question was posed, what are you looking forward to for 2024? And what happened was a couple of men stepped out and kind of shared really what they were afraid of, what was concerning them, what they were struggling with or dealing with. And as we went around the room, it, it very quickly was apparent that every man around that table, successful businessman, great fathers, great husbands, and every single one of them was carrying some sort of pain, some sort of fear, a sense of overwhelm, a sense of just unease. I mean, not like crippling, but just like you could tell they had weight. (laughs) And the power of each man simply being able to share that and realize that they're not alone and realize that other men are in the fight too. No one in in there was asking for it to be taken away. No one was asking for their problem to be solved. But just the fact that other men could hear that that there were other men shoulder to shoulder doing the same stuff. Because I think it's really easy for men to get to be isolated. Our society, I think there's a lot of shame and guilt put on men for being vulnerable or expressing any emotion and and I think it can just be a very lonely place for a man, especially one who's got a career, being a father, being a husband, and, and dealing with that pressure and not feeling like he's got anyone he can really open up to and share that with. And, and that's where I was. I, I, I was in that space where I just didn't feel like I had anyone or anywhere where I could turn to. And, but then I started to find men who were opening up. And because they were sharing their pain, I was able to see myself in their story. And I was able to begin to realize that there are ways out of this. And I just think that it's super powerful and relevant and necessary for men to be able to hear other men talk about this stuff and and open up and, and just be real. Now, with the group that you went uh, on the fishing trip with, is this a friend group that's been well established for years? No. And that's a couple of the men I knew well, a couple I knew casually and a couple I'd never met before in my life. Okay. Obviously, I think as men generally, right before I moved back to Houston, I was asked to jump into a small group just of guys and they were a well-oiled machine, but some of the stuff that they were being vulnerable about, they obviously felt safe. They felt they weren't going to be judged and they were sharing some things like, well, I'd never heard that before. I'd never have 
been in the presence of men who were being so vulnerable. So for me, it was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why would you say that? Because you're going to judge. Yeah. These are businessmen. But I was like, for them to feel that comfortable to share something like that, knowing they, knew they weren't going to be judged. And they weren't. They're like, man, we are right here with you, dude. We want to get through this with you. I was like, wow, this is beautiful. You know, life-giving. And so that was huge for me to see and how much it needed. And then another friend of mine who I will forever be grateful in his personal life, God really rocked his world. And he was just really real. And he had stumbled and he just confessed it to me. He's like, man, I blah, 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 blah. And I was like, wow, if you're going to share this with me, then it kind of made me naturally kind of want to be able to, I knew that I was safe to share something with him since he was doing it with me, right? So I guess those are two examples of a group of men and then a friend who just were real first and they weren't doing it in a way to get attention. And it was very honest. It was very humbling, very loving. But it just showed to me, like you're saying, the power of a band of brothers to have that, to be able to share that, right? And I, was, I just think we're kind of islands. You generally men are just alone. So it's interesting you sharing that just beauty in that as far as having like the, the guy group, if you will. For a lot of men, telling the truth is probably one of the most terrifying things sure. in the world. Actually saying what you are struggling with or afraid of, worried about, dealing with. I mean, just telling the truth is, it, it can be terrifying. But it's those those things that we keep inside and we don't have a safe space to go and, and share that end up just kind of eating us alive on the inside. But when you bring it out into the light in a safe space, it loses its power. It retains its power when you keep it hidden, when you keep it inside and you don't have other people. And when you share, you start finding everybody's dealing with something. One of the things I learned in, in my journey was the, the most dangerous pain men have is the pain that they hide and it just eats them alive on the inside and talking about stats 80 percent of suicides are men 80 if that doesn't point to a real problem that men have and, and are facing i don't know what does and so i just think that why am i compelled to do this and what's the plan some I don't know. I just know that I'm being called to speak what I've experienced, be raw, real, and open, and there will be a man who hears my voice and gets something from it that he desperately needs. Yeah. And, yeah. and it may be as simple as, wow, it's not just me and I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And there's someone else who's experienced what I've experienced. Or maybe not exactly the same, but there's other men who are hurting like me and in that sharing that pain, it divides it. Well, I think too, it's like our wounds, our scars can bring healing to others, right? And I went through a period of my life where I had some panic attacks. I had always been healthy, knock on wood, no issues, but these panic attacks. But I'm so empathetic to somebody who's, who has them because I'm like, I know exactly what you're going through. I know, and I'm right there with you, right? So whatever we've gone through, somebody can relate to that. And so when you can pour into somebody's life, say, I know exactly what you're going through, that there's healing power in that. So do you, Franklin, have, I mean, obviously with this pivot for you and this calling, if you will, 
do you have a band of brothers there, whether they're in Tyler or that you have some guys that you can just, not accountability, but just guys that you can just really share with and bounce things off of? This is something that I struggle with. I've got some close friends that I could open up and pour into. I've hired coaches okay. that, that have been very instrumental in, in working through a lot of stuff. And I am learning like, the, like this experience just recently, just how powerful it is to open up. And even this podcast is like a, a therapeutic thing. I mean, going out and, and sharing like I do on my show it has been very scary, but it's also been very freeing. Mm -hmm. And when you can share and when you can take that pain that you've experienced and turn it into something with purpose that benefits and serves others, it changes everything. And so I do have men here like around me that I could reach out to, but even now I don't have enough of that. Because I think guys in general put on a persona, we're tough, don't let your guard down. If there's any group that needs community and to be able to share and mm -hmm. each other back, I think it's men, but also two fathers. It's like, how do you create those conversations? And how do you create those? Because I feel like the older you get, the harder it gets. You get more set in your ways. I'm not saying that you get sedentary, but how do you create forums of having those conversations? I mean, how do you create where guys are connecting for those that don't have a faith and aren't going to a, a place like that, where can they go? And then is that a built around going hunting? Is that going in doing? Because I think also, too, I think guys, maybe we really relate, open up by doing things together, not sitting around having coffee generally. I don't know what your experience has been, but it's like if you're sitting in a duck point together, some things will just naturally come out, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, there's, I don't know, it's just a whole interesting dynamic. It, it's really hard. First, it takes one man in the group to be brave enough to step out and to just say, Hey, can I share something with you? Yeah. I really just, I need another man that I can share this with. It takes one man stepping out and sharing and that creates safety for the second man to do the same thing. But until that first man goes and shares and opens up, everyone's going to sit there and be surface level and talk about the latest football game or sports or whatever and not get that deep but once you can get there like the things that open up and the amount of just real conversation that happens is just so powerful and it's something that men need and we're just a lot of us are really disconnected from our feelings we, we don't even know how to be have a real conversation like that it's scary it's hard and it's not easy yeah well by you taking the first step doing this podcast, may that, may that be for you, right? And may that you just be that avenue for men to be able to open up and just to, to, to be intentional. And even like when your son was intentional in kind of calling you out, right? He was intentional. He said something. He didn't have to. He could have not said something. You could just sit there by the sidelines and not do a podcast, but you're, you're doing it. So you are taking that first step. And so the prayers that there will be a, a father, a dad out there that, that will be changed for the good. What's the biggest challenge that you see for fathers being fathers out there today, what you're hearing or what you're experiencing? To do what's right for your family in the face of society and societal and cultural pressure. 
as I think about it, like my kids are getting a little bit older. I mean, they've got friends who are starting to have cell phones and just different things. And so there's just, I think for fathers to navigate the the modern world and what our kids are being exposed to and just, I mean, it's overwhelming. And it's like, how do you protect them? How do you prepare them? How do you be the father they need? And, and I think a lot of times it's the world and the pressure in society also makes it really easy to take the easy road and to not stand up what's best for and, and do what's best for them and right for them and let things slide. And it's kind of a constant struggle, I think, or a constant battle to make sure that you're kind of towing the line and drawing that line for your family. There's just a lot of stuff out there that men are having to deal with in our modern society when it comes to being there for their kids that even 10, 20, 30 years ago didn't have to be. And so there's just a lot of things out there, I think, that are not for us when it comes to our families. And the other thing is just navigating being a father is difficult. And that difficulty can have all kinds of different flavors, so to speak. I mean, th th there's all kinds of challenges. And one man's challenge with his kid can look totally different from the next, but they're both challenges. And so I think for fathers just to have the tools and the resources and the support to, to navigate being a father, being a husband, running a business or having a career and just navigating all those things at the same time, I think is, is also really challenging. And there's not training for that. We're thrown into all these things. I mean, we get it trained a little bit for our jobs. Training to navigate the pressure of career, marriage, and fatherhood all at the same time can be daunting and it can be defeating. Yeah, it could be overwhelming. But I, maybe there's some fathers out there who are single dads, may not have that partner in time with you. Do you find also, too, that you and your wife really being, as far as your communication, being that y'all are both in agreement, um, whether it comes to discipline or where are those lines in our family that we're not going to cross, whether it's mm -hmm. societal, cultural? What does that look like as far as maybe to advice with a, a partner or spouse being in alignment first, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think it's, it's important to be clear on your values. And uh, I mean, for my wife and I, we... We're Christians and that dictates and, and, and directs just a lot of, a lot of the way we think and, and a lot of the ways that we uh, do raise our kids. And I understand some men may be separated or divorced, but I mean, if you are married to have a loving, passionate relationship with your wife, that's one of the greatest gifts that you can give your kids if that's possible. Every kid wants to see their parents love each other. And so if you can invest in your relationship with your spouse, take your wife on date nights, write her the notes, help around the house. When you walk in the door from work, instead of plopping down on the sofa, like go help with dinner, set the table, get the kids ready for bed, like just be active, present, and just be there and lead by example. And then be present even having dinners around the table, if that's possible. I mean, just being involved, you'll hear what's going on. If the whole family's watching TV in different rooms of the house, 
you're not going to know what's going on to even know what line to draw. But if you're really connected to your family, if you're present and if you're intentional about it, your heart's going to tell you and your conscience and your mind as a father, you're going to know you should when that line's being crossed. And if that voice is going off in your head or you feel some red flags popping up, lean into it and fight and, and be the champion for your kids that they need you to be, even if they don't like what you're stepping into and taking away or restricting them from or whatever the case may be. Like, you're not there to be their best friend. You're there to be their dad. And you just got to fight for it. A couple other guests have brought up the power of the dinner table. It's just that alone, just putting your technology phones away, mm-hmm. really just being intentional. That's almost like a sacred space is that dinner mm-hmm. table, the power of that. This could be a whole other side conversation or different podcast, but I think also to of a father, husband, your spouse, your partner, I think to establishing what is it, that worldview that you have. So whether it's a biblical worldview and coming from that, I think right now just post COVID and with education, I think that blew up a lot of things in our, in the world of education and private school, homeschool, all this stuff, rethinking all that. But now some of the influences that are happening in our public school systems, I guess my point is the power comes from the home. And I think sometimes we are passive and we're going to let the the education school teach them about this and the church. If you go to church, let it's their job to teach my child youth group or whatever. No, it, it starts in the home. It starts in there. And you, so you cannot are, delegate your responsibility as a father. So be intentional. What does that look like as a father and, and, and your partner in crime, your, your spouse, carving out those times of intentional lessons and establishing here's why we believe the things we do as a family based in this. So that when they do get into middle school and they do get exposed to different thoughts, and you know what I'm saying? Like, at least they've got a North Star that whether they drift from that or not, you've planted seeds that in the hopes that that would grow. And I guess I'm specifically talking to, I guess, about like a biblical worldview. That is the responsibility of the father and your wife, right? When you're saying that also too, I guess that's kind of been triggered in me, self-personally. When and how, what does that look like? And how do I establish that? Knowing that culture is going to just come in every direction starting now. Again, it's presence. Mm-hmm. I think presence probably trumps everything. And then with that presence, whether it's that you're speaking things into your kid's life or whether you're just there and they're seeing you and how you respond and how you act and how you treat people. and mm-hmm. But just being involved, being present, being aware and being intentional. And so there's no real playbook for this. Because you don't know what's going to come out of left field. You don't know what's going to come at you. But what I do know, if you're not checked in, if you're checked out as a father, you're going to miss whatever was obviously in front of you anyway. You're not involved in your kids' lives. And what's great about these podcasts, I mean, I'm speaking to myself on this. I'm not perfect. And it's just a great reminder. Like, it's just, it's such a an important responsibility for men to to make sure that every day they wake up and they have intentionality about how they're going to go through the day and work may be hard and life may be tough, but go home, create a family dinner or, or, or pray with your kids before bed or 
just find time wherever that may be so that you're connecting with them and hearing about what's going on in their lives and can you be a safe space for them that they can trust where you can kind of gain some insight into what's going on and be and be there for them as franklin uh so many guys have said because time flies mm-hmm. like you blink and they're in college and how quickly this goes by right and i'm sure same maybe for you that blink you've got a nine-year-old and 11-year-old and how time is Feels like overnight yep two more questions for you and you mentioned about being intentional being present so for your family are there any traditions any date night anything that y'all do in your family again i love asking this and hearing from different guests i know your children aren't at 13 yet the simpler something like a rite of passage for your son when he turns 13 and then other rites of passage after that too i think is something that's on my radar yeah i think really the most powerful thing is a lot of times the most simple i'm fortunate i can drive my kids to school every day that's cool christian music on the way like they even if we leave the house and they're in a bad mood or not wanting to go and by the time we get to school they're typically i've got their attitude shifted around and and we talk and i always pray over them as we're about as they're about to get out and i think it's the repetition of that it's a small little thing that by the time they graduate i will have done hundreds and hundreds of times and so what is that implanted in them? So there's the one-time events that are powerful, but I would argue that what's even more powerful are the small little deposits you can make every single day. So I write the notes, but the, I'm taking them to school. We're really good about having family dinner together, even between cheer practice and soccer practice and all those things. My wife and I have date night. Pretty much every week, we're really good about prioritizing that. And we'll let the kids know, yep, it's date night. Mom and dad are going on a date. And I think just just showing them that, like, yeah. that, that's really important. And so I go in and I pray over my kids each night before bed and give them a hug and tell them I love them and ask them how their day was. And so there's a lot of other things that we do and time we spend and we go on trips and we go and do stuff. But I look, what are those little things that I can do every day that, is not moving a mountain, but the repetition of that over years is just going to build and and hopefully influence them in a positive way. And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I would say those are some of the little things. And, and again, we spend lots of time together on trips and doing things. Yeah. I think of the little things as being yeah. what's been impactful. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. I love that. And I love the daily routine of just the, the driving to school and praying over them. That's awesome. So thanks for sharing that. Franklin, as far as just wrapping up with the chat, is there anything that's on your heart that is there something that I, ha- I haven't asked or that I haven't, something that's on your heart? Yeah, I, I think if I would leave it with anything, if there's a father listening to this, th- there's just no way to overemphasize your value and importance to your kids. Even if you think, you've failed even if you think that you've messed up or there's no hope or whatever like or if you're at the opposite end of the spectrum and, you, and you're a great present dad and, and and you've got a great relationship with your kids just to remember that like you are priceless when it comes to 
the value you offer to your kids. And no matter how hard it is right now, no matter how much pressure you're under, like keep going for your kids. Kids need fathers in the home so bad. They need us to be present. They need us to be loving and patient and playful. And that's it, man. Just be there for them. Yeah. That's a great message and a great way to end it. So many things that you've said tonight have sparked inspiration for me or glad this will be recorded so I can always come back and visit. Getting like I'm always taking down notes of what I can do selfishly as a father to be present. But I think your gift of intentionality with your wife, with your kids has been really powerful. So thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for stepping up when you felt that itch, if you will, and scratching that itch and not just sitting on the sidelines because you never know, you may never know on this side of heaven, the impact you're making in the lives of men. So prayers for you and your continual role as a father and a husband, but also to a mentor, a coach to those um, you've yet to encounter. I can't wait to see what you do, but thank you. It's been great, Ross, being on. Thank you for what you do. Thank you for having me on. This has been a very fun conversation. Well, you are more than welcome. And so it's been a, a true honor. So Franklin, thank you. Blessings to you. We hope you enjoy this latest episode of Bear Crawl with Dads. From our brother C.S. Lewis, you can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. Mm-hmm.